My name is Josh Carroll, I'm the Life Groups Pastor at Fellowship Dallas, and today we're joined by podcasters Richard Carey, our training, experiences, and care pastor. Thanks, Josh. Glad to be here, man. We're joined also by Emily Harmon, our Route 45 coordinator in our kids' ministry. Hey, everybody. And Chris Young, our Young Adults Director. Hey, Josh. It's good to be with you today, man. Today, we're going to have an awesome conversation about what it looks like to pray with our spouses. That's the topic today, and our goal is to balance some theology with the practical and equip you to step into these hard conversations. So we're going to start it off with Richard Carey, who is a licensed and professional counselor. He's done a lot of marriage counseling in his time. Richard, why is prayer so important in a marriage? That's a good question, Josh. What's funny is I think about, I think about that. I think about the couples that I have seen. And the couples who come in with issues in their marriage, I very rarely hear the phrase, we pray together, or we are, we are pursuing the Lord together. And so um, I, I think the first thing is just that it does bring connection and intimacy into the relationship. And so the first thing that goes through my head is, man, the reason it's important is it actually draws couples closer together, allows them to see each other's hearts and, and hear things they may not otherwise have heard throughout the day or throughout the week. Um, it's, a, it's a place to be uh, vulnerable. And, and, you know, I think about your relationship with the Lord being one of, if not the most intimate relationship that you have. And so when you pray together, your opportunity to listen into the prayer life, this vulnerable moment between your husband and the Lord or, or your wife and the Lord. And, and so um, I, I think it just brings connection. It brings intimacy, brings understanding you may not have had outside of prayer. And like we've been talking about in these several podcasts that we've done, prayer is that vulnerable thing in front of God. It's that opening your heart and your mind to his presence. And uh, it's more than just taking a list of things to God and then checking them off. When I was first married, that's how we thought we were supposed to pray together. Melody and I, 20 years ago, we would pray, but we would just bring a list. And so I love what you're saying, Richard, the vulnerability, the connection to God, the connection to each other. That's so important. So, that's the theology of it. What does that look like practically? Emily, you've talked to several different parents in your role. You've seen the impact that it has on families. You've seen the impact it has on um, people as they grow closer in marriage. How do you do that practically with your spouse? How do you pray? That's a great question. You know, I think a lot of people, like Richard said, you hear so often that these couples uh, it's not a part of kind of their regular, you know, habits to pray with their spouse. But to do it, I think a big part of it, it needs to become some kind of a habit in your life, whether it become part of a daily rhythm. It doesn't have to be these set times, but it can be. Whatever you got to do to kind of get it going a little bit. I heard an example or a quote one time from somebody who said that our life with God is personal but that doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be private. And so many people, I think, when it comes to things with our spiritual walk with God, we want it to be, we think it all has to be private. I can't talk to other people about this. This is between me and God. But especially with your spouse, um, the person that you're closest to right after your relationship with God, yes, it can be personal, but prayer doesn't necessarily have to be private. And so, you know, on a practical level, just in your day-to-day -day rhythm, you know, if you're 
in the middle of something that's causing you anxiety, just like you would talk to your spouse about that, just after talking about it, stop and pray together right there on the couch, in the car before you go into a place that maybe is a, a new environment or a place that might cause some, some level of anxiety. Or if you're having issues with one of your kids at home, before you go to bed, pray together uh, in your room before you go to bed. Just not overcomplicating it. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be this routine situation. It just needs to become a part of your life in some respect. Hey, Emily, that's a great point. I think the practical nature and, and just going for it is what you've got to do. I think of my wife and I, who are very different personalities, we step into prayer differently in our own private lives, but when we're together, stepping into that prayer is a real meaningful thing. And uh, praying over things that give us anxiety, praying over finances, that's been a big thing in our marriage, praying for our kids, all that kind of different stuff. So Chris, when we look at this and we even look at how spouses are different from each other and have different styles and different personalities, maybe even different traditions that they come from, how can we pray together even though we're different? Yeah, I think that's the beauty of the body of Christ, how God takes different people with different personalities and brings them together. The Bible talks about marriage as a mystery, and it really is. I think one way that we can both pray the same language, although we're different people, is to pray God's will over our marriage. The Bible has quite a bit to say about what God intends when it comes to our marriage. It talks about us submitting one to another. It's Ephesians 5, talking about the husband loving the wife as Christ loves the church and the wife submitting to the husband as unto the Lord. And so I think just praying those verses over our lives, like, Lord, help me to love Diana, which is my wife, by the way, help me to love her. Like you love the church. Teach me what that means. As we pray God's will over our lives, God is faithful to fill us. I think early in that chapter five of Ephesians, he talks about being filled with the spirit and how that feeling is a, continuous, repetitive feeling. It's not a one-time feeling. It's a over and over continuous and repeated feeling of the spirit that believers have. And it's, it's a privilege because, because we're filled by God's spirit, we receive his spirit, we have the power to actually live this out. We have the power to submit to one another. We have the power to, and I have the power to love my wife as Christ loves the church and vice versa. So I, I think one way that can bring us together is definitely to pray God's will of our lives. That's great. And I think about that and I think about questions that I've, I've been asked before, like whose responsibility is it to lead in this prayer, right? Whose responsibility is to initiate that prayer? And I've talked to couples, you know, the husband feels inadequate and the wife feels like she just wants him to lead and to make it happen or vice versa. Richard, when you think about that and you've seen these couples and the different situations you've been and you've done the marriage um, counseling and seminars and things that you've spoken with, what does that look like? Who's supposed to initiate prayer? Who's supposed to make it happen and step into? Whose responsibility is it? Yeah, that's a good question. So I remember hearing this story, this, this author and counselor was, was uh, working people through this idea of the, of the crazy cycle, right? It's love and respect. It's this idea of the, the more a husband loves his wife, the more she's going to give him respect. The more respect she gives her husband, the more he's going to love her. And when one of those things gets off, right, where the husband isn't giving his wife love, and so she begins to be disrespectful. And the more she's disrespectful, the more he's unloving. 
that's the crazy cycle. And, uh, and in this, in this book, they're talking about a couple who came in and, uh, the wife was talking about how they're in the crazy cycle. And at some point she said, you know, whose, whose job is it to step in and make the change? Whose job is it to, to make sure that our relationship gets out of the crazy cycle and get back into health? And I love his response to her. He said, whichever of you is more mature, right? It's like, it's a catch there, right? Cause you want to be the most mature one in the relationship. So I, I think there's to that even a prayer. Like, and if you're in a good place spiritually, then maybe you should be the one that initiates prayer. And if, uh, if you're, you know, your spouse is struggling, we need to pray together, right? It doesn't mean that the person who's not as healthy or not doing as well spiritually can't initiate that. There's something to this idea of if you're mature in Christ, man, you should be the one that's initiating that in your relationship. And hopefully, right, the ideal would be that you're both in a place of maturity and you're both going, this is, this is so important. This is so vital to our relationship to do this together. I know for me and Aaron, like there have been different times in our marriage where well, I've even known I was the weak one. And I've said to Aaron, Aaron, I need you to pray with me and I need you to pray for me. And I want to do that together. And so even though I was the weak one in the moment, I knew what I needed from her and what I needed her help with. And so she was able to play that role. So, you know, I, I hope, right. And in, in most cases it's the one who's most mature, but, or that they're both mature. Um, but obviously the risk there, the risk I took was, was being vulnerable and going like, I'm in a bad place and I need, and I need you. And so um, that's the beauty of it, right. Is again, that, that vulnerability, that unity that comes into relationship through prayers is powerful. Yeah. Can I add to that, Richard? I love the verse in Ephesians 4, 2. It says to be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. And then this part of the verse, it says, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. And so that's exactly kind of what you were talking about. It's just, we should be striving for peace. We should be striving for unity. So it's not about who initiates and who is under whose authority or anything like that. As a believer, our first effort should be to strive for peace. And that looks different in different circumstances. So even in the example you gave, just in that moment, being able to bring Erin in and ask her to, uh, and be vulnerable with her and ask her to be a part of that is part of that unity and that bond of peace. And so I just love that verse and it's a good reminder we don't need to force other people to pray with us. It's not really prayer anymore. If, if we're forcing somebody anyways, you know, the goal is to be communicating with God, not to just be saying words, you know, God knows our motives. And so it all kind of goes down to, yeah, what is that motivation for wanting to be the one to initiate the prayer or the wanting to be the one that plays a certain role? really just letting the Holy Spirit work in us and guide us and, and striving for peace is, is the most important part. Man, Emily and Richard, that's, that's great. I honestly think about, and it even rolls back to the very beginning of our conversation, being vulnerable in front of God and being vulnerable in front of your spouse is, is hard, right? It's hard, but when you are vulnerable in front of God, He meets you where you're at with grace and mercy and loves you. And, and you get to take part in his presence. And, and that same thing should be happening with our spouses. Like if, if Melody is going to be vulnerable in front of me and I'm going to judge when she's vulnerable, I can shut down her prayer life pretty quickly or, or even options for us to pray together pretty quickly. And the same you know, with her if she did that to me. So coming to that, coming to prayer with your spouse in, in a way where you're 
understanding there's vulnerability, you're understanding race exists and it's so important. And that unity of peace, that language right there, it steps right from Paul talking about the Holy Spirit and his presence in our lives and steps right into more Holy Spirit talk about him being right there with us. So even when we don't know what to do or know how to pray, knowing that the spirit is right there with us, and we get to take part in that and through that. Chris, I'm going to ask you a hard question. I know you're ready for it. What's one time in your life that prayer with your spouse, with Diana, has turned things around or helped you make a huge choice or moved you in a direction that without prayer you may have gone different or without prayer you may have made the wrong choice or something else may have happened? Where has prayer impacted you and Diana and your relationship in a real powerful way? Great question, Josh. I'll tell you, prayer in my marriage is it's really powerful when my wife and I have had a disagreement and we've agreed to disagree, which leaves both individuals kind of unsatisfied. And it's prayer time because we have a nightly rhythm of praying together, especially with our kids. And we'll be praying. Neither one of us would probably want to be praying at that moment. And, and I would hear my spouse pray that God would help me, that his spirit would help me be more patient, uh, to listen more. But as difficult as that is to hear in real time, it's so powerful because I can feel God turning my heart while the prayer is happening. And so those moments in our marriage are powerful moments. Even when we pray and she's praying a prayer and my heart isn't turning during the prayer, God is still working on me, and the next day I'll wake up and apologize or something. That's one instance of how God has really been powerful in our marriage. Yeah, I resonate with that, Chris, because I can think of those moments when me and my husband Jeffrey have had an argument, and uh, things are just not going well, and we're trying to talk it out, trying to flush it out. Um, And nine times out of ten, he's the one that initiates the I think we need to just spend some time praying together. And, you know, in those moments, it's just, ah, I don't know if I want to, but, you know, I'm in a funk. We've been talking through this really difficult stuff. But like you said about God turning your heart as you pray, that is so true. The conflict may not be 100% um, settled, but prayer opens you up to humility before God, you know. And so in that act of praying together, you just feel God's presence just, exactly like you said, just kind of starting to work on your heart and changing your heart and and humbling you again and giving you space to confess and just lay it before him. It's just so powerful. I love that. Yeah, there's been some cool moments too for us, you know, not just, I love what you guys are saying there, um, just about how it it reconciles you as a couple. It it draws you back together as a couple after conflict. I'm thinking too about other just like big moments in our marriage. Uh, I remember whenever Aaron and I were first married and you know if you don't know our story you know she had a daughter before we got married and a year into our marriage I was pursuing adoption of Isabel and I remember us drawing together and praying for that situation and how to really expedite that process because it you know there's so many different layers to it with you know having to get a lawyer and having to get a home study and all these different things you have to go through all these different steps you have to go through in order to make this adoption legal and we just prayed so hard together about that process. And we were at a place where she was working full time. I was in school. And so we were like, how are we going to afford to pay for this thing? And 
And uh, as we were praying for that, there were these little moments that were happening along the way where God was just showing up in, in really powerful, very real ways. Like one of those was, I'll never forget, we would pray together on a Saturday night. We knew we had to get a home study, but we knew those things were thousands and thousands of dollars. The next day at church is in the women's bathroom at the church. And here's someone else talking about a home study they had, had done for themselves. She engages this woman in conversation. She goes, yep, I know exactly who to tell you to talk to to get one of these done. And the price was like significantly different, like 80% lower than what we were here and we're going to pay. I think it normally was like five grand, three to five grand. We paid like $500 because of this one little moment in a bathroom the night after we've been praying about God, we need, we need some help here financially. We don't know how we're going to pay for this. Boom, next day. Aaron's in the bathroom at Fellowship Bible Church Dallas and meets this woman, talks to her, gets it done. And it really did, truly did expedite that process for us to get that taken care of. So I just, I think that was just a cool moment for us to see like, man, God, God isn't just like listening. He is answering and showing up in our marriage and prayer. And it's, it's pretty cool for us to see that happen. Hey, Richard, that's a really, really cool story, guys. Thanks for sharing those stories. I think of one time and, and several times in my life where God has really changed me through prayer has been when I've had conflict with my wife. I used to pray this prayer that said, God, would you change her? She's so stubborn. Why won't she see this way that I see? Blah, 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 blah. And I used to pray like that. And then as I started to understand prayer more and more and open myself up to what God was up to in my own heart, there'll be times where I'll have conflict with Melody and I'm just so stubborn and I can't see past that. And the more time I spend with God walking through that, he actually shows me her heart and he shows me my heart and it's my heart's not so pretty. And it makes me stop to think and go, I need to meet my wife where she's at and, and open myself to what's going on in her life. And it's changed my direction. I don't, I don't always do that perfectly, but it, it's changed the way we fight. It's changed the way we reconcile and even as we pray individually and then come back together, it's changed the way we kind of get closure in a matter or really just give a matter up to God and say, Hey, we don't have closure yet, but we need you mixed, mixed into this. And the reason there's conflict is because we recognize we haven't brought you into it. So prayer is so important, so important in our marriages, so important that keeps us um, vulnerable in front of each other, vulnerable in front of God and challenges us. I think every one of us had a story about how our wives or our husbands have challenged us um, to pray and, and to be involved in that more and more. One last question, just to wrap us up. Is it okay not to pray with your spouse? I had a question uh, given to me by several people that say, hey, I pray by myself. I have my own personal prayer life. Praying with my wife or praying with my husband is just awkward and we don't do it. What are they missing when they're not praying with their spouse? Chris, what do you think? I think it goes back to what Richard said when we open up this, this episode. One thing you miss is you don't get to hear certain things that are on your spouse's heart that you otherwise just wouldn't hear unless you pray together. The other thing is, as you've submitted yourself to the Lord in front of your spouse, there's a lot of power in that. And, you know, obviously the reconciliation that comes from that but it, it empowers your spouse to join in with you in an effort to allow God to, to transform your heart. Just from a corporate standpoint, there's a much accountability, right? In your prayer life, as you're praying to God, asking God to do something and inviting your spouse into that. 
I think on the other end of it, there's much to be celebrated as you are praying to God, asking him to do something and inviting your spouse into that. And your spouse gets to see how God is working in your life. And they get to come alongside you and support you as they are praying for you. There's a powerful element of, of accountability and uh, reconciliation one to another that, that you miss when you pray separated. Chris, I love that. I think they're missing out on, on things. I mean, the question for me is just why would you not want to, you know? And so that's a good place to start is if that's an issue in your marriage, one of the two of you doesn't want to pray together. I mean, that's conflict. So you need to start there and you need to approach that conflict with humility and work on that problem together and just flesh out what is it that's hindering one of us, if not, it may be both of you from wanting to pray together and working through that, uh, not being a bully about it, definitely not forcing the other person to do that, but working together on that, on that conflict first. And again, going back to that verse of, of striving for peace. If you're both believers, you have the unity of the Holy Spirit in you. So continuing to just flesh that out and talk through that conflict together. First Peter 5, 5 says, all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. And so just that reminder, continue to go into it with humility, hearing each other, working out what is the barrier in why we don't want to pray together. And I just think back to the model prayer that Jesus gives us. We've all heard it before, um, just the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6. And I was reading back through that the other day, and I don't know that it had ever hit me. He was telling the disciples right before that to, you know, when you pray, don't pray like the religious leaders who want to pray in front of everybody, but go to a closet to pray. But when he says that, he doesn't mean individually. He's still talking to the disciples collectively. And that word closet doesn't mean like a small little closet in their house. He just means not in front of a big crowd, but still together. Because then he gives them the example of the Lord's Prayer and all of the pronouns are, are plural. You'll notice it says, our Father in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And so that model prayer that he gives them, he's saying, don't pray in front of a bunch of people, but pray together still, you know, united as a group of believers. And so in Jesus's own model prayer, his example is a prayer that can be done with other people, with others. He values that community. And so transferring that to your marriage with your spouse is, you know, later, right after he gives that example of the model prayer, the next chapter over, he gives that famous um, speech about if whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a man who builds his house on the rock. He's basically saying this is wisdom to do this. And so that idea of what is there to lose? This is a wise thing that God wants us to do to pray together as a couple. And so we're missing out on wisdom here if we don't do this. And just fleshing that out with humility, I think, is so important. Yeah, Emily, you use the word hindrance. I think the, the word I would use would be fear. What's the fear that you have that's keeping you from praying with your spouse? Is it? I'm afraid that I'm not going to seem eloquent or that I'm going to be found out that I'm a fraud and my relationship with the Lord is not as deep as they think it is. Is it a fear of vulnerability? There's, there's some sort of fear that's keeping you from initiating or taking part in a prayer with 
is back to what Emily said earlier, right? Is it is the fear of losing your quote unquote privacy or your, your personal relationship with the Lord. And what I would say to that, right, is anyone who is afraid or feeling that way is, you know, the one thing that we tell our pre-marriage class that we teach twice a year at fellowship is if you want to almost assuredly divorce proof your marriage, mm-hmm. pray together. Like research shows that couples who pray together on a consistent basis, their divorce rate is 1%. 1%. So it's the thing that draws you together in such a way that, that literally you know, almost foolproofs your marriage from divorce. And so I, I think if there's a piece of advice I'm giving to any couple, it is to pray together on a consistent basis. So Richard, would you summarize that by saying couples that pray together stay together? Mm. Oh, I knew you're you're making every effort not to say that, which was mm. a- <laughs> I'll let you run with that one. Hey, that's about all the time we have for today. Thank you guys so much. Thank you to Richard and Emily and Chris uh, just coming into our podcast and, and being part of sharing what's going on in your own marriages, sharing how prayer is important to you, sharing your struggles, just giving us a glimpse into your life like that. We really appreciate that. As we step more and more into these prayer podcasts, we're excited to cover these topics but that's going to be it for today thanks so much for listening we hope that you're personally encouraged by this podcast and challenged and we hope you can be an encouragement to others as we wrestle with these difficult questions about prayer so until next time keep praying with your spouse Mm -hmm.